Welcome to another episode of the Playing to Win series. Um, I really do enjoy this series. It's one of my favorite. I hope you guys spend a little more time in this playlist. There's a whole bunch uh, in there. We're in episode number 29 right now. I'm joined today with Andrew Knapp. Welcome, Andrew. Hi there. So we're going to be talking to Andrew um, a little bit about his background story, how he how he got into what he's doing right now. I mean, his, his current role is with Green Mountain Flower Company, which is basically... Uh, focus much of its production, it seems, on uh, mushroom slash CBD-infused products. Uh, but he's got a really interesting um, kind of like a Batman origin story, which I want to spend just as much time on as, as far as what the company's doing. But he's the head of sales and marketing at this company. Um, but it didn't start that way for you. Like, this is one of your one of your earlier intros into entrepreneurship. I know you're also into real estate as well, but you started from Idaho. You know, you were a young man in Idaho that was graduating school and you're looking to, you know, do something, you know, as a man, as you're kind of thrown into the world and you had a couple options. Talk a little bit about that origin story for yourself. Yeah, I uh, grew up in like super rural Idaho. So uh, home county is maybe 3000 people over, you know, several hundred square miles uh, up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. Um, really not a whole lot of options in that environment. I think the median income was like maybe 26,000 a year for a household in the town I grew up in. So pretty desolate. Uh, dad was a nuclear engineer, uh, family kind of disintegrated when I was a kid and, um, you know, felt kind of uh, rudderless and directionless as a kid. So, um, you know, part of that discovery course was figuring out, you know, college or military. This was right at the height of the Iraq war. Uh, I'm, I mean, I was born in 87, so peak millennial right at the middle of uh, kind of my age demographic. But, um, you know, the choice in 2006 when I was graduating was, you know, either going to the military for this war that, you know, probably like it didn't make strategic sense to me at the time as a high schooler. So I wasn't really enthusiastic about that despite coming from a military family or go to college. So I uh, went to a college in Boise, Idaho, studied philosophy, political science, that sort of thing. And then, you know, also with great timing, graduated right in the middle of the financial crisis. So there's like no opportunity anywhere whatsoever. So uh, from there, ended up uh, going to grad school in D.C. I went to uh, uh, I grew up with, uh, you know, family stories. I have like an old Anglo-Saxon family, but uh, my uh, great uncle had been one of the founding members of the CIA. So he was OSS, had the machete scar on the face and you know, all the stereotypical like straight out of central casting. Kind of backstory. So I grew up with these stories, always really cared about the intelligence world and uh, ended up going to uh, grad school in DC, uh, then graduated into sequestration. So government spending was cut. I had uh, been interning with Naval Special Warfare, which is the command uh, responsible for Navy SEALs, SWICs, that sort of thing. Uh, that job was cut. So I was uh, basically, there's no work. I had just invested, taken out student debt to get into this world. And I have like really, really cared about it. And How old were you at this time? I was uh, 24 at this time. So, I okay. had, uh, so you know, pretty young, still stupid, um, but very, very invested in this kind of world. Uh, ended up uh, working as a personal trainer for a while, you know, just to get by. And uh, that was all right for the time being. But I had like invested a lot of like, not just my personal energy, but, um, you know, my self-identity and kind of working in this field. And it was just all uphill. So um, ended up working for a think tank for a little while, you know, met some interesting people. That's a long story. But um, ended up eventually uh, getting into the FBI as a contractor. So I had kept my clearance from my job with the Navy. 
and uh, was really fortunate. I had, uh, so in grad school, I had studied human intelligence, which is the actual process, process of how you run human spies inside an organization and did you know, all the Harvard business law type case studies to execute that. So I was fortunate to do something very similar inside the bureau. I stayed basically in one unit. I was a targeter within the FBI. So managing a lot of these cases for, uh, this is the height of the Iraq war. So um, managing, you know, how ISIS interacts with people in the United States and Europe, everywhere else. It was pretty damned exciting. Like I loved it and I miss it a little bit. But uh, as a result of getting in, I mentioned I had, I had to take out student loans to get out of my, you know, tiny town. Mm-hmm. go through this career and kind of realize that uh, there wasn't much opportunity there. And a lot of the opportunity was almost impossible to get to. And I didn't feel free. Like I've always been kind of independent spirited and, um, you know, going through that, uh, just give you some rough examples. Uh, you know, most uh, government employees, especially in DC are, uh, you have guys that live with housemates or roommates in like a tiny apartment up until they're 35 on a government salary. And oftentimes making half the pay of their bosses, their bosses will take all the holidays off. The analysts are responsible for, you know, going into work on Christmas. I actually, uh, I think I worked on every single Christmas day for some crisis or another. And, you know, no bonuses for that or really anything. It's just, you know, a government job. What's the average compensation for an FBI contractor in that role? So uh, I had transitioned to a blue badge at the time. So I was an official government employee for a contractor. You're talking, uh, the role I started in for um, what I was doing, I was making 48 a year. And then in Northern Virginia, losing uh, 40% of that taxes. So absolutely brutal. Yeah. So I mean, like you're, yeah, you're definitely living with roommates at that level of uh, compensation, especially if you've got student loans and overhead, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, it was a lot of fun because I mean, it sounds like you were watching you know, fun from the perspective of excitement and fulfillment with what you're doing. I mean, it's never fun to watch somebody die on a screen, but you mentioned that you watched a lot of, um, you know, drone strikes and stuff like that. Like how much of that can you talk about? Uh, just kind of wave top. I mean, I um, I got to interact with all of the partners you would assume somebody in that role would uh, interact with and really loved it. Like the FBI, DOD, and uh, other government agencies all have like their own pretty unique culture. And um, getting to be in the middle of basically the food fight between all these agencies and, you know, getting to deal with, you know, knowing, okay, that guy, like who I just had coffee with is hunting the number one terrorist in the world. Or, you know, this, uh, you know, my coworker literally just found, you know, a plot inside the United States through an op she was running. Like that sort of stuff is, uh, there's really no way to describe that, but it's really fulfilling. But at the same time, if there's no promotion potential and, um, you know, you're working your ass off, you're working Christmas and um, you literally like, I mean, I calculated I maybe had $200 left after, uh, you know, after I had paid my bills to, you know, go out on a date or, you know, spend that on, you know, just clothes or, you know, eventually save up for a nice watch or something like that. And no matter how good the uh, actual work was, at least for me, it was just corrosive. Like I, uh, my stress level was up here 90% of the time and um, started to feel the health effects of that too. What's that show that they ran on Netflix for a while with that FBI um, profiler, that chick, she's always wigged out and on medications. Uh, what is it? Uh, Blacklist or are you, um, is this uh, Homeland? Homeland. Like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Is that, like, is that a fairly accurate representation of what guys can expect if they start working with that agency? 
There's a scene at the start of season five in Homeland where they're all sitting in the basement of the CIA and talking about how ISIS is sneaking into Europe. And I like it was funny watching that because I had literally been in that conference room like a day before. So, oh, so they actually use the actual conference room like the set. Uh, so Jack Ryan, that show actually used the CIA's headquarters building a little bit for filming. But um, but for uh, a lot of Homeland that was filmed in South Carolina and it's uh, some of it's just dumb. So, for example, they mentioned big like roads that are huge in northern Virginia, like a four or five lane highway. Yeah. And it's a two-lane road in the show. So a lot of that, and a lot of the tradecraft and a lot of the storyline is pretty wacky for Homeland. But Homeland Season 5 is super accurate. Like, that that was pretty close to real life. Mm. So um, you're living in D.C. here. You're in your 20s. You pretty much don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, and you can't afford any of that stuff because of the compensation no. you work. Like, do you work seven days a week when you're uh, in that agency? Uh, pretty close, yeah. I mean, the expectation is just to work the 40 and to kind of be a government employee mm -hmm. but on paper. But the expectation in real life, especially if you're managing anything with import, like mm -hmm. anything that really matters. Um, I was probably in there six days a week. And I mean, fortunately, they had a gym in the basement. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'd hang out on Sunday if, you know, I had nothing else to do. But um, it was free. So... Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I would say probably 50, 60 hours a week at the height of like real height of the Syrian war. Uh, I'm talking about mid 2016, mm -hmm. probably spent 70 hours a week in there. And, um, and that's for, again, like, I think I was getting paid like 60,000 a year at the time. So um, yeah, the uh, business side of it, not that appealing. So overall, you like, is this a career that you'd recommend guys get into or avoid? Like, what's your view on that? Um, it's really, it really depends if you're, uh, I mean, for me, it was kind of a patriotic thing and a little mm -hmm. bit of an identity thing. Like I wanted to know if I was good enough. And after getting in, like that was, that was really important to me is like, I want to make it in that field. But, um, at the same time, if, uh, like imagine taking out, you know, a significant amount of student debt for a job that you have $200 left over after you pay your student loans. Like mm -hmm. if you want to, I mean, I'm fair, like, I'm, I'm a fairly traditional guy. I want the, you know, wife, the kids, the, mm -hmm. you know, white picket fence at some point in my life. How old are you? And, uh, I'm 33 now. Okay. So, but uh, just, uh, and this was kind of like, I mean, to borrow a term, like this was kind of my red pill moment was being in the middle of this and like trying to hold a relationship together and trying to, you know, save up for a house and these sort of things and realizing, you know what, at current trajectory, this is pretty well possible. And um, that was uh, so slowly kind of realizing that kind of, you know, I was introduced to your channel. I was introduced to a few other sources and started to really think through like what, uh, you know, I know I'm a capable person, but I'm clearly on a pathway that I'm, I wouldn't say getting taken advantage of, but the opportunity for growth and the opportunity for me to have, you know, the basic things I really care about in life. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I'm basically playing to lose, so to speak, or playing just playing not to win. win. Or, yeah, playing not to win, yeah. so to speak. Like the uh, the opportunity for a win wasn't there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you were kind of red-pilled um, having a conversation or, sorry, being lectured on toxic masculinity by a girl that you were seeing. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I uh, I mean, that year, I think it was 2017, I had uh, dated four women named Julia in a row. And Julia number four was... <laughs> Julia number four was gorgeous, but um, she was uh, she had, you know, a liberal job in D.C. We agreed on like most, you know, value stuff, you know, being from a similar culture. 
But um, she basically like snapped at me because I said the word illegal immigrant because mm -hmm. people aren't illegal or whatever. And mm -hmm. then gave me like easily a two hour lecture on toxic masculinity and how I'm being toxic and that sort of stuff. And it just occurred to me like, I mean, she's gorgeous. She's probably one of the most attractive women I've dated. And I like her a lot, but I, um, it seems like I'm being shit tested constantly. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, I like, I can't win here. And why am I trying so damn hard to just get lectured by somebody that oh, I feel like I'm a reasonably accomplished person. Like I'm not where I want to be, but uh, I'm trying my best, trying my best to be, you know, an ethical grounded person. And I just can't win. Like this is just, uh, I'm the enemy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after, after that, you know, there was a moment that, uh, led to a little bit of personal bitterness, a little bit of anger relationship, obviously, you know, fell apart for natural reasons. But, mm -hmm. uh, after that, it was uh, trying to find some intellectual system or some approach to life that, uh, would number one, you know, be rewarding. Also let me be myself, which, you know, I couldn't, uh, really in a government job, like your freedoms grossly constrained both financially and just in terms of like, even what medications you can use. And, um, you know, after doing that, probably a year of kind of exploring, you know, looking at the red pill movement, reading a lot of philosophy, it had been a philosophy major in college, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, looking into entrepreneurship. So, uh, I was watching your channel. I read, uh, Peter Thiel's zero to one, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, excellent book. Everybody should read but kind of just realizing the math of, you know, what a revolutionary idea looks like. And uh, I had a friend at the time that, um, you know, I had, uh, that I had known through church and that, you know, still very close friends with. And uh, this person was a U.S. Senate staffer at the time. And we started a conversation like clearly the housing market's broken. Like it's not working if you have a majority of the population in most of these cities that can't afford any on-ramp into ownership. So we, um, you know, progressively thought through a few methods and it started to click like, hey, not only is this possible, you could really build like a revolutionary company to execute this process. So I can talk probably a little bit more about that later, but um, mm -hmm. that was kind of the moment that, you know, yeah, there are more options than this. And I, you know, as, as good as it is to, you know, have the security of, you know, government work. At the same time, like I wouldn't feel personally, just like I wouldn't feel personally fulfilled if I didn't work in the intelligence world when I was like a, you know, 17 year old kind of watching mm -hmm. spy movies. It's, uh, you know, 26, 27, I wouldn't feel fulfilled if I didn't pursue building a company, being free, like creating value, being out in the world, all those sorts of things. So just kind of became the next step. Did you stay in DC or did you move from DC? Like, where are you now? So I'm actually in the DC area right now. I was, uh, I had moved to Austin, Texas for a while, which was, you know, pretty great experience for a city, easily one of the best cities in the United States. That's one of the um, big hubs for startups right now. Really is. Yeah. So about 33% of uh, the economy in Austin is all tech companies. All the Silicon and Silicon Valley is, you know, basically South of Austin. Mm. Um, like all the chip manufacturers, uh, tons and tons of startups, a pretty healthy scene there. I had, uh, so, you know, I had um, getting out. So the transition from government to entrepreneurship, you don't know a lot of shit. And uh, I, you know, made some mistakes. I uh, tried to work with somebody that I considered a friend at the time and somebody I'd known for a lifetime and had some really fundamental disagreements. Uh, their mental health wasn't in, you know, great spec exactly. And uh, it became very apparent to me going through this process that, Number one, this person can't build a company, sees me as a threat to their masculinity, 
and um, has some mental stuff that will, you know, probably embarrass the company if they, you know, go on a tirade, you know, 20 beers deep at a bar or anything like that. So, and then COVID hit. So it's like, okay, this is pretty damn clear. Like time to walk away from this. I've learned a lot. That method's not going to work. And then have spent most of the summer kind of rebuilding from there. The, the, um, the guy that you partnered with, with that business, and I'm not a big fan of partners in business unless there's like a true compliment, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a good synergy. Like I think uh, Steve Jobs and Wozniak are, are probably one of the best examples because Jobs was the outside guy. He was the guy that would stand on the stage and, you know, push the marketing. He was a big idea guy. And then Woz would sit in the back kind of, you know, making all the shit. Um, but it usually doesn't work out that way with a business partnership. I mean, the failure rate with business partnership is probably just as bad as um, <coughs> marriage, you know, to be honest with you, it's probably even worse. Um, yeah. Why did you think that it, that it was going to work out? Like at the time, why did you sign up with a partner? Um, so at the time, like, uh, number one, I wasn't familiar with it. And this person would seem to have been successful. So they had uh, some capital to invest and a software background. And, you know, I wouldn't slander the guy. This person is absolutely brilliant. Like when we were friends, uh, when we were younger, like one of the most, uh, you know, outstanding people I knew, I didn't know how much their mental health had deteriorated and also uh, evolving in terms of like, this person would brag about manipulating me to, mm -hmm my face, not to mention third parties, and would talk down, like interrupt and talk down to me in pitch meetings and that sort of stuff. So like clear, clear. Was this uh, early on or was this into the partnership? So this was uh, later in the partnership. There were signs of it earlier and I wish mm -hmm. I had just picked up on those and put my foot down. Yeah. But uh, there really is, I mean, you talk about a red pill for how men and women interact. Mm -hmm. There's equally, if not more detail in terms of how people interact in the course of a business. I'm personally not at all a fan of 50, 50 partnerships. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what, it's going to be asymmetric and there has to be somebody who's the lead. Mm -hmm. And if there's somebody there who's like actively stealing responsibility from other people, like won't let other people make decisions and then doesn't execute, like that's the most toxic possible um, combination you can get. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are actually, you know, plenty of people who fit that category, some unwittingly, but um, that's, that's something to, um, that I would always look out for. And I don't think, I mean, I think by having a 50, 50 partnership, you're usually asking for trouble. Like somebody has to be in charge. Yeah. I mean, people that start up businesses are, um, you know, they're like, you have to have a degree of narcissism to start up a business. <laughs> Literally you do. I mean, you're just never going to be successful unless you have some of the narcissistic traits, but at the same time, um, my old business coach, I had him on a, a plane to win. I think it might have been two or three episodes back. You guys can go back. I think it was episode number 26 or 27 with Cameron. He was saying that almost all successful entrepreneurs that he knows that are doing over a million dollars a year in annual sales are clinically or could be clinically diagnosed as bipolar, right? Um, it, it's, you know, it's a bizarre thing because you're celebrated when you go and create something that has some impact and you're often um, admired by many people, but nobody truly understands the kind of crap that you go through as somebody that's the founder or the co-founder of the business, because playing the win is not easy. It's pretty fucking hard actually. Um, you know, like the mindset is the starting point, but so, so I mean, like you had that mindset shift, you're like, okay, so I tried this with this guy. He's clearly not going to work out COVID hits. And then you get involved with this, um, mushroom CBD infused supplement or, or a nutraceutical company. 
Yeah. So um, I had, uh, you know, I had the good fortune of meeting like really quality advisors. And uh, one of those introduced me to uh, Green Mountain Flower Company. So they're kind of a growth stage uh, CBD company based in Austin, one of the oldest uh, CBD dispensaries mm -hmm. in Texas and in Austin specifically. And, um, you know, being growth stage, they didn't have a sales presence. So uh, uh, my advisor basically asked me, hey, like, uh, let me set you up here. Like, uh, we'll work on the real estate stuff later. But um, for right now, it's, you know, kind of about, you know, using our time appropriately. And there's a role here. So I uh, started with that about uh, three months ago. So right now I'm managing the uh, some VP of sales and marketing that covers wholesale, that covers affiliate marketing, that covers pretty much the whole stack, everything from cold calling all the way up to, you know, more strategic management, let's say a grocery store or somewhere else. Uh, I had not tried CBD personally before, you know, being in government and I didn't experiment with it uh, after I got out. Mm -hmm. So trying it for the first time, especially after like I had a coworker, I found out a few weeks ago, she literally cracked a tooth in half because of the stress levels, just gritting her teeth all the time. It would have been nice to have something like, you know, CBD in that environment. But uh, after trying it and kind of seeing the different scope of, uh, you know, different products, all 100% organic, like organically derived, made for the human body, and uh, kind of seeing the business potential of that, as well as just in terms of, you know, psychological health as an entrepreneur, and also just uh, psychological and physical health generally is kind of not just a maintenance thing, but also a supplementation thing to, you know, feel decent and be able to, uh, you know, conduct your business in a responsible way. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty competitive when it comes to CBD type of products. I mean, I think from 20, 2012, 13 to at least the last few years, I've seen a lot of companies pop up that are selling CBD oil um, products that like maybe vape pens or anything like that. Like it, like the whole delivery system changes depending on who's putting it out there, but there's a lot of competition for CBD products. I mean, the like can you talk about the different kinds and what the benefits are because i've because i've got a note here from you i mean you basically messed up your rot your rotator cuff but you couldn't supplement with cbd at the time because you were working for the government i guess they p test you and that would have like you, you know got you fired or something but you know, you can have, yeah yeah but i mean like you can have sons of politicians do blow off a stripper's butt <laughs> and, and they're totally fine right yeah but, um, yeah so talk a little bit about that interest in cbd and and why you basically double down on it. I mean, that's, that's a very, very competitive space. I mean, for me, like I don't like physical products personally, and it's also a very competitive space, but I mean, you guys seem to have a great product. I mean, I've been using it for the last couple of months, but talk to, talk to me more about the CBD component of it. I also want to talk about the mushroom stuff separately. Yeah, we're definitely, uh, definitely a quality player. There's a lot of CBD out there. Um, a lot of stuff is just white labeled and you'll have like one producer producing for volume. And then a lot of these different brands that are selling basically the same thing. Where does it, uh, where does it mostly come from? Does it come from China? Is it like a powder that's uh, reconstituted? Uh, thankfully not, definitely for us. So we grow our own in Colorado and mm -hmm. uh, bring that to Texas. We also for smokable flour, get that from Vermont. So, um, but all of our, uh, everything we make is number one, American made hundred percent within the borders. And also, uh, we lab test every single batch we have for uh, output, for quality and freshness. Mm. Um, there are a lot of pitfalls in the CBD industry, especially, uh, when it comes to manufacturing quality, you've got, I mean, I won't mention specific competitors, but you've got, uh, certain, uh, bigger companies that have struggled with mold. So you'll order a tincture or something and it'll come and basically mold will come out. 
when uh, you know when you open the package. Mm -hmm. So uh, for us, at least, um, everything that we have has a one-year shelf life, and when it's delivered, it's uh, we've only had that product for usually a month at most. So mm -hmm. maintaining the best freshness for that. Um, when it comes to uh, different products, obviously people are putting CBD in a lot of things. Um, we uh, we have a handful of unique products. One of the uh, top ones we have right now is uh, Nano Forever Natural Hemp. Kind of a long name, but it's uh, the first water soluble coffee supplement. So uh, taking that is a lot like taking L-theanine in an energy drink. It'll mellow out the caffeine. So a lot of the coffee shops we wholesale to sell out rapidly. But what it does is you uh, you know you combine it with your coffee, but uh, instead of getting the jitters or starting to get distracted usually you can keep a uh, pretty close focus for several hours. And um, that's kind of, I mean, it's a little bit biohacking, but it's also just using CBD appropriately to mod modulate the stimulants that you're taking. Mm. So um, that's one of our headline products selling super well. Um, we uh, also have a handful of uh, classic tinctures. So a classic oil that's absorbed through the liver and uh, usually get about between 15 and 40%, depending on you know physical health in terms of bioavailability. So a lot of places produce that. We Ours is an extra strength. So it's uh, 2,400 milligrams per bottle, which is pretty high by industry standards. And then um, I mentioned the coffee additive is water-soluble. We also have a uh, handful of water-soluble tinctures that are very close to 100% bioavailability. So you're talking about you know five milligrams doing the job that 30 milligrams of oil would normally do. So mm -hmm. much, much more efficient when it comes to bodily absorption. Um, I skipped over this question, but I made a mental note to ask you what, what was it that brought you to my channel? Cause, cause for most guys, it's usually some kind of trauma. I'm not sure if somebody introduced you or if it's, you know, you're on the homepage one day and YouTube recommended a video, but how'd you come across my stuff? You know, honestly, I think I searched it on YouTube and I was, you know, trying to figure out some personal stuff after, uh, you know, after a tough breakup and kind of thinking like after Julie number five, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, Where to anticipate Julie number five. But um, after kind of going through that, like it really occurred to me, I was doing something wrong. Like clearly, clearly I'm making the exact same mistake over and over. And, you know, all of the, you know, so-called adults, I know you people two, three generations older than me seem to make these mistakes too. You know, it would seem to be best practices. Like if somebody really cares about best practices to try and identify like an intellectual system, your channel came up, I think either number one or number two and started watching through that. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. I, I've, I've started to notice that a lot of like, as you, as you described Julie, who was feminine, beautiful, one of the most beautiful girls that you've dated, it's, it's starting to become obvious to me anyway, that, you know, there's a lot of guys that'll say, oh, just stay away from like short haired, obese, tatted up, purple haired, um, you know, unemployed or coffee barista chicks that look like total toxic feminists. And that's not enough anymore because Feminism has, in its toxic form that we deal with today, like, you know, the, the sort of example that you talked about where you got lectured for an hour about toxic masculinity because you mentioned something about immigrants being illegally placed in the country. Um, there's a lot of very beautiful women out there that have the toxic version of feminism infused in them. So it's not just enough to avoid what looks obvious. You actually have to spend time with women to see where they're... Um, uh, headspace is actually in it, it's you know it's one of the longer things that um guys will need to do as they're spinning plates and dating is you know okay well what is this chick's opinion about certain things 
that toxic feminism feeds to women because it's everywhere. It's it's unavoidable, right? Yeah, and I mean, this is a this is a topic we could probably talk about for a bit, but I mean, women my age, especially you know, peak millennial and a bit younger, are told that you know they need careers, they need to uh, you know forget about having kids. So complete antinatalist uh, kind yeah. of attitude that uh, absolute sexual freedom is good. And, you know, whatever we can think, what do we think on that? But um, they're also told they need to, you know, live in a tiny apartment and uh, just, you know, spend 60, 70 hours a week working. I mean, who tells you all those things except somebody who just wants to keep you at the mill, like, to, you know, keep you working, to have you live a meaningless life, focus on, you know, sexuality and consumption as opposed to like really important, you know, personal and spiritual growth. And um, you like, I know plenty of women are going through that process too and kind of thinking, you know what, I've been lied to, I'm gonna miss out on having kids and a family and I need to realize a way to, um, you know, have something better than that. Yeah, I mean, I always talk about how guys love to complicate their lives and justify why, but women do it just as much as guys do. I mean, I, I more specifically talk to men when I'm on this channel because it's like 95% views come from dudes, but um, yeah, like men and women do it from their own different perspectives. It's 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 just a uh, you know it is what it is, guys. You just have to get used to it and uh, you know get really good at, at at spotting potential train wrecks and red flags. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's dive into more of the mushroom stuff because I'm super interested in what's happening with fungi. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to you know, describe its, its, its benefits. But, um, I think it was chaga mushrooms, which I first got, uh, the intro on about five or six years ago and the benefits around them because of anti-aging and reduced inflammation and better cholesterol profiles. But I'm listening to this book right now that I'm, that I'm going to put out as a book club for my guys community, which is called how to change your mind, but it deals more specifically with psychedelics. Um, again, more specifically psilocybin and a little bit of talk in there about LSD, but it's mostly about mushrooms. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in the book about the therapeutic use of mushrooms, um, the medicinal use of it, but they also talk a lot about the psychedelic use of it and how it's very good at, you know, curing, um, like none of this stuff has psilocybin in it, just to be clear, the sort of stuff that Andrew puts together out there with CBD is the non-psychoactive stuff. But I find it fascinating as an up-and-coming industry. I did a broadcast uh, a couple of weeks ago on Playing to Win with Ronan Levy, who's um, one of the co-founders of a company that does um, uh, psychotherapy. I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's called uh, Psychedelic-Assisted Psychotherapy. And they've got a bunch of clinics that they've just opened up now. I became an investor and an early investor, so I'm real. I'm, I'm super interested. But I want to talk to you about the stuff that's available on the market, like over the counter. Like you've got, um, I've got a bunch of them here on my desk because you guys sent me this a couple months ago. So I've got lion's mane and CBD. So talk a little bit about the different kind of mushrooms and the benefits. On this one, it, it talks about cognitive enhancement and a bunch of other things. Let's just go through them one by one, just so people know what they are and what the benefits are. Because I get a lot of guys who are like, okay, so how do I level up? How do I, you know, become more focused, more more productive? I got problems with sleep. All of all of these solve some area of that, actually. Yeah, Lion's Mane is actually our uh, top seller right now. So that's a, a nootropic. It's um, plenty of research out there that's pretty easily accessible. But um, for Lion's Mane specifically, it uh, is very close to what the myelin sheath around your neurons uses. So starting close to that. Uh, usually, I mean, when I personally take it, like I feel more curious, more intellectually awake, 
But um, Lion's Mane has been shown to actually reverse neural damage in mice as, uh, you know, one aspect of it. But a big element of uh, that is supplementing brain chemistry and giving your brain the architecture that, or not the architecture, the components it needs to uh, you know, put itself together. So both CBD and uh, Lion's Mane have been shown to uh, stimulate neurogenesis, so growth of new neurons. Mm. And uh, that's one of the primary use cases for it. Got it. Uh, and is there a reason why you guys infuse it with like each different mushroom blend with CBD? Um, so it's uh, it's really kind of two sides of the same equation from a um, from a supplemental standpoint. So CBD is a much more simple compound, and um, you know your body's endocannabinoid system basically runs everything. So it runs your mood, runs your immune system, runs you know a lot of other aspects of your life, your sleep cycle. And uh, adding the CBD to the mushroom is just basically hitting both of those sockets. There's that, and then there's also the uh, polysaccharides and compounds you get from mushrooms, which are, I mean, the molder weight of uh, some of these compounds is about half a million. So you're talking very, very complex uh, chains of um, of uh, components that are in that. So um, where CBD is, you know, about the size of a caffeine molecule. Mm-hmm. So uh, adding those together, you're getting the calming effect of CBD as well as the um, supplemental uh, mushrooms. And there are so many compounds in each mushroom that it'd be difficult to go into the weeds on each of those. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, it's basically just trying to dovetail and hit both sides at once. I noticed a lot of these seem to help with heart health and cholesterol, like the shiitake ones, the next one that I got here. Um, I mean... I'm almost through these bottles. There's 60 caps in them. So I've been using them for at least a um, month and a half, maybe even a little bit longer because sometimes I don't take them daily. But I just had my blood labs come back from my doctor on my TRT. And, you know, he always goes over the cholesterol, the red blood cell, the white blood cell. And he's like, yeah, you're doing very good. In fact, your levels got a lot better. One of the things he said, he goes, you actually have better cholesterol and heart markers than a lot of the athletes that I uh, treat. So I was... I was kind of impressed to hear that because I don't really like I'm not an athlete. I mean, I take care of myself, obviously, you know, I try to eat right as much as possible. And I almost wondered if, you know, some of this stuff was assisting with uh, some of the blood labs. But talk a little bit about shiitake and CBD. It says here on the cover of this one lowers cholesterol, heart health, supports circulation. Yeah. So uh, that one specifically has, by the way. Yeah. A lot of antioxidants. It's actually a culinary mus- mushroom. So out of, uh, you know, all five, like that one probably has the best flavor. It's usually served with sushi and, you know, classical Asian cuisine. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of uh, reducing cholesterol and so on, that's uh, the particular polysaccharide compounds in shiitake um, have some of the strongest associations with cardiovascular health. So each of this, these supplements is hitting a specific subsystem of the human body. For lion's mane, it's you know nootropics, it's neurons, it's uh, your central nervous system. For uh, shiitake, that's um, your circulation system. So mm-hmm. even though they dovetail with each other, so there are a lot of common antioxidants and so on, each of these is designed for at least one system of the human body. And is- Go ahead. Is there a best time of day to take these things? Like, is it in the morning? Is it with like late in the afternoon? Like when do you usually recommend people take these? Um, there's not necessarily a time dependent one. I usually take it before going to bed uh, or mm. uh, early in the morning with the exception to Rishi. So Rishi is uh, your sleep system. Mm. Uh, Rishi also affects the testosterone cycle. So uh, there's uh, one Italian study that I have in mind and uh, taking Rishi and I think cordyceps together in a cocktail. Um, Italian athletes had a 
double boost in free testosterone. So they literally doubled their free testosterone and increased their recovery times by uh, 30%. So uh, Rishi specifically is, um, you know, very much focused on the sleep side of the equation. I take that one in the evening. Um, I've got this one. That's the Rishi one, by the way, which I kept separate because that's part of my bedtime pill routine with magnesium, GABA, uh, tryptophan, HTP, uh, 5-HTP. Um, those are the other supplements. Um, sleep's been good for me. I mean, I've got an aura ring that tracks a lot of you guys have asked me what this ring is. It's just a, it's just a health tracker ring, but, um, you talked about Rishi, so I'll set that aside. By the way, guys, if you want to like grab any of these, uh, products that Andrew's talking about, I, I put a link in the description. I'll pin it in the top comment when I get off the broadcast, but I'll drop this in the chat here. Um, it's Greenflower Mountain Company and that link already has a 10% discount code that I've just dropped there. Andrew gave me that this morning. Um, so if you want to grab some of this stuff and check out, you'll get the 10% off. Talk about the uh, chaga mushroom and why that's important. So you got chaga and CBD as well. That's anti-aging, reduce inflammation, lower LDL cholesterol. Yeah, so chaga is, uh, I mean, it's one of the few mushrooms that doesn't have an Asian name. It's actually a Russian, or it's more used in Russian cuisine, but uh, it's a, a conch that'll grow on a birch tree. But traditionally, it's boiled down to uh, make a tea and, uh, or, you know, coffee drinks, that sort of thing. But uh, chaga itself is uh, primarily used for the aging process. So you're affecting like the telomeres on yourself. And, um, in terms of reducing inflammation, again, that's, you know, very similar to uh, CBD, but um, chaga itself is uh, more of a general, more than any of the others, chaga is a general purpose uh, supplement. All right. And I got another one here with turkey tail, immune support, free radicals, antioxidants. Yeah, turkey tail is probably the most uh, tailored specific one, but a uh, lot of research out there on uh, turkey tail and cancer medication. So a lot of people, when they're undergoing chemotherapy, will take uh, turkey tail as a supplement to that. Um, a lot of studies um, seem to indicate that uh, it helps the body's immune system recognize free radicals and recognize, you know, basically carcinogens, dying cells, and help flush that out of the system. Hmm. So, um, you know, a handful of different studies, like this, this isn't a medical claim by us. It's just, you know, citing what's in, you know, current circulation and study, but uh, turkey tail more than any other is an anti-cancer and pro immune system supplement. Mm -hmm. um, there's some other stuff on your site as well. I mean, you gave me a, um, a stick. It was a CBD stick, I think, but it was infused with lavender. There's a few other ones. Um, I don't take any products that have lavender in them because I know that they're estrogenic in the male body. So I try to stay away from those because they're already a, a, a fast converter of estrogen to, uh, or sorry, uh, testosterone to estrogen with my uh, AI system. But um, talk a little bit more about some of the other stuff that you guys have and what you're working on in the future and why you're working on that. If you, I mean, you obviously don't want to get give away trade secrets or the farm, but what are the next steps for you and the company? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, you're mentioning the bomb. The bomb's one of our oldest products. Uh, the uh, lavender is there to get uh, CBD through the skin. So if you have a shoulder locked out or something like that, I mean, I use it for delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah. I actually gave the stick to my dad because he's got a bad knee. So he puts it on his knee. Yeah. It's uh, so for uh, kind of physical pain, either uh, musculoskeletal or, you know, based on an actual skin issue, that's what the bomb's for. The bomb comes in uh, tins, sticks. Uh, we have three sizes of it. 
Um, other products too. So we just uh, last week, and this is a little bit um, into the weeds, but uh, we started uh, getting Delta 8. So Delta 8 is a similar to TH. It's very chemically similar to THC. But uh, how it's legally derived in the United States, you have cannabis, which is anything over 30 bips of THC, like uh, Delta 9 THC. Mm-hmm. And then with hemp, uh, if you take hemp, uh, transfer the uh, THC or chemically process the THC into CBD, so it's all CBD, you can change that CBD again to get Delta 8 THC. So it's legally derived THC. And we have, uh, we're getting these on the side, side as we speak, but uh, we have both vapes and uh, gummies for that. Really, it's a sleep supplement. So I've been taking that for a couple of weeks now. And uh, with 30 milligrams of Delta 8, you're talking, I, I've been getting 10 hours of sleep, just knocked out and waking up in a great mood. What uh, Delta 8 is specifically is a neuroprotective. So you're talking about, again, affecting the nervous system and uh, you know deepening the REM cycle and uh, that sort of thing. So that's one of our newest products. Uh, in, and it's not really, I wouldn't characterize it as recreational. Like it definitely, I mean, it can taste good. It can you know be fun to take in the evening. Not nearly the same kind of high that uh, Delta 8 would give you. You don't get paranoid. You might mm-hmm. get the munchies at the worst. Mm-hmm. But um, for the actual kind of use cases for that, that's kind of uh, the frontier for right now. The coffee supplement water solubles are kind of a pillar for us. Like we're one of the very few companies that uh, has nano emulsified CBD. So that's um, in terms of the output you're getting significantly better. Talking about going from getting, you know, a trace amount of an oil to getting almost 100 percent. And being so able to add- if somebody likes coffee, but they get the jitters from the coffee, you're saying this will actually let them enjoy the coffee, but they don't get the jittery component of it because of CBD oil? Exactly. So uh, you're talking about, and you know, sometimes I'll combine it with a cup of coffee and maybe a cigar or something, yeah. but uh, the way that CBD acts, especially when it's uh, emulsified like that, is a lot like L-theanine and uh, in terms of regulating the jitters that you get out of a stimulant. So whether it's, you know, nicotine, caffeine, you know, some other stimulant, uh, what it's going to do is uh, give you like one cup of coffee. I'm usually good for an hour. A cup of coffee with uh, especially water soluble CBD in it, good mm-hmm. for four or five hours of just straight work and not losing my flow state. So that's that's one of the primary selling points of kind of that aspect. Okay. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about? Um, and we've got another five or ten minutes left, you know, before we need to start to wrap up. But did you want to talk a little bit about the the other stuff that you're working on. I know that you're also in real estate. Um, again, you know, this series is really about dispensing some w- wisdom to guys out there when it comes to playing to win in life rather than playing not to lose. Um, I mean, the sooner that you can lose, like learn that skill in life, the better off that you're going to be. A lot of, a lot of the questions that I get is, you know, how do I make better choices in my life? Like, how do I get a, um, like an early start? And it's like the, the sooner that you guys can learn the lessons that a lot of these guys that I've put in the playing the wind series have made in their lives, like these stories that they're telling. I guess, I guess what I'm driving at here, Andrew, is what advice would you give yourself if you could go back into a time machine when you were leaving school in Idaho and you're like, okay, I've got military or I can go and work at the Walmart sort of thing. Like what sort of lecture would you give yourself aside from the fact that there is no such thing as toxic masculinity? There's just (laughs) conventional masculinity. Uh, yeah, that would be a long, long lecture. I'm not sure I can afford a time machine to go back that far, but, um, in, in terms of advice, my younger self, I mean, debt sucks. Like there's no, no two bones about it. 
I, um, for me, it was like, you know, I got to use leverage to get out of this situation. Like, um, and I don't regret it. Like it's, uh, it's kind of the cost of doing business at the same time. I think, um, the most important thing, at least in my life. And I think a lot of lives of people I know is have the one thing like, uh, you know, you might accomplish your goals and then be disappointed. Like, Hey, I landed in the FBI, you know, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but it's, I'm unfulfilled. Like it's mm. not satisfying spiritually right now. Definitely not financially satisfying for me. I would, um, I, was, I think there, it, was there a period of your life where you found the frustration and the lack of satisfaction in the job that you were doing with the FBI where it's like your soul was dying every day doing uh, it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. How, how long, how long did you do it after the point that you recognized that your soul was dying every day? I think, um, so I was in for almost exactly four years. So I, and before that I was a contractor for the year for a year, yeah. but uh, the last two years was really, really grating. So I, you know, I have a long story. Uh, we could get into a bit of it. Uh, back in the Trump transition, Trump's team asked me to join the national security council, um, went through that process, the FBI and the white house were fighting. Uh, my career got stomped on, you know, basically I was stuck between the white house and the FBI for about three months. And uh, that's that's a super long story, but especially after that, like I mean, I I felt like I was sort of playing to win. Like I mean, imagine being 29 years old and being in the White House and like dictating, not dictating, but assisting in terrorism policy and being like the number three guy for that. Like mm -hmm. that's uh, that's exciting to be in. Like I already had, you know picked out um, what I was going to get myself and that sort of thing, and I, I took the piss test, all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But um, after that, like basically after I was stuck in limbo for, you know, several weeks, I um, kind of realized, Hey, this, this is not going to happen. Like I'm going to go back. I'm going to be stuck in that job. I went through the agent process uh, year after that, you know, I had sterling test results, all the rest of it got to the very end. And then they told me no. And um, you know, the FBI itself was, was and is a fairly like insular kind of political environment. And I don't harbor any malice towards anybody. But um, after going through that, I'm like, why, why would I stick around and reapply? And why would I continue to take like a salary that I can't afford, you know, a lot of the basics, like I can get by with housemates, but that's not, that's not life. Um, why, why would I do that as opposed to leave and like trust myself and take some risks and go do it? And I mean, the fact of the matter is most people who um, live life have a lot of risk on the table that they absolutely could take. They're not taking. And um that's that's the asymmetric part of it. Yeah, this is this is a very distinct story of playing not to lose, working for the government versus okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to go and do my own thing and get into real estate, get into nutraceuticals, and you know at least at least hop in the driver's seat. Because I think whenever you do what you're doing during that four year span, you're basically a passenger on the bus. It's cross the T's, dot the I's, color within the lines don't think outside of the box too much, you know, give us some ideas, but we've always kind of done it this way. So don't go too far out of that, you know, system. So, yeah. I mean, if you want that sort of flexibility guys, I mean, um, it's good to get it out of the way early on and see how, you know, the establishment does things and always has done things, but don't get too caught up into it where you find yourself like your soul's dying every day for many, many years after that. You only did it for two more years, but it was enough for you to say, okay, this is, you know, this is enough. It's time for me to go try. Well, what, like just on a final question, was the relocation from the DC area to Austin uh, pivotal in the shift from um, 
you know, playing not to lose to playing to win? Like, was um, the environment a big part of that too? Environment is a huge part. I mean, if you're in a town that's, uh, I mean, DC is a government town. Yeah. If you're in a place that there's a particular industry that's dominant and you can't just crack it in that industry, like move, like there's, uh, the situation matters a lot. Austin's a great town, but I would say in terms of like genuinely playing to win, mm -hmm. um, that's always been a transition. Like it's, uh, it's more of a sliding scale than it is like an on off switch, at least for me personally. But in terms of having the freedom to actually do that, I mean, in terms of like the stress level of working in government versus the stress level of having no income, being broke and trying to make something, uh, give me the second one every single time. Like a uh, complete paradigm shift in terms of like getting free of the one system and moving into, you know, being responsible. Yeah, love it. Love it. All right, I'm going to uh, drop the link again here in the chat if you guys want to grab uh, some of the mushroom CBD supplements and the other stuff that's online. You click that link, everything's 10% off with that uh, code. I've also pinned it in the top comment if you're watching the replay and you can't see the live chat, so you can just go there and grab it. Um, Andrew, appreciate you hopping on and you know sharing some stories. Uh, check out all the products that you know he's mentioned here with all this stuff with mushroom and CBD. It's, it's, it's high-quality stuff. I mean... Um, I've certainly slept better with the Rishi supplement and I do take the other daytime stuff that you kind of walk through with the other mushroom stuff. I'm really excited to see what happens with, uh, the fungi industry. I'm going to call it the fungi industry, but, um, you know, super stoked with it. So yeah, thanks for hopping on and sharing that one, Andrew. Hey, thanks again. Where can people find you if they want to uh, follow up or uh, see what else you're up to? Are sure, you on social yeah, media sure. or? Yeah, if you want to hit me by email for wholesale, anything like that, it's just Andrew at GreenMountainFlower.com. Um, uh, A David Knapp on Twitter if you want to connect there. And um, yeah, those are both good spots. Cool. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks again.